Hello and welcome to another episode of But Where Are You From? A podcast about British-born East and Southeast Asian culture. And I talk about my life as a British-born Chinese person. Um, <laughs> that was the worst. Why don't I just write this down or why don't I just record the same one and then just keep that rather than having to do it every single week and I fuck it up every single time. What is wrong with me? Hello everyone and it's Wednesday the 29th of July 2020 and what a week it's been. Thankfully it's been less manic than the week before. We are in the midst of forming a proper organisation for the campaigners involved in our petition so we are properly making this into something which is incredible so there's more news on that please carry on signing and sharing the petition there is also a campaign a crowdfunding campaign for a group called end the virus of racism and they are crowdfunding to start the first not-for-profit organization to help combat hate crime against east and southeast asian people and they have lots of plans they want to hire someone full-time to do this they want to create multilingual resources for education and training purposes they also want to create events to talk about this advocacy events and national campaigns so there's lots of plans that they want to implement and they need to raise £150,000 by the 24th of August if they want to do so so please head to my show notes and donate because even if you donated just £3 I know that 150k sounds like a really unobtainable target but even if 50,000 of us let's say donated £3 that is will hit the goal just think of it as the price of your usual coffee when you go to work for example which I don't think many of us are still doing at the moment so please please head to the show notes and spend your money on that so what has been going on so I'm moving out my family home pretty soon I'm gonna really miss my mum's cooking and baking she has nailed making sausage bows they are just even better than this local bakery in, um, it's not a local bakery, it's a Chinese bakery in Manchester, Chinatown called Wong Wong's Bakery. And they're even better because they're so fresh, they're fresh out of the oven downstairs and don't have to pay for them because mum um, makes them. <laughs> they're so good. So I'm in the midst of like sorting out mortgage stuff. It's been very stressful because we've had a mortgage declined, another mortgage declined. This one is hopefully going through and I will be moving to the city centre. Finally, I've never actually lived in Manchester city centre. I've always lived like either South Manchester or lived in London for a bit, but never actually in the city centre. So I'm very much looking forward to having my own place. So today, when I was eating my dinner, um, I was meant to be watching Good Girls on Netflix with my mum, but I just got caught up on Twitter stuff. And there was this Guardian article where they talked about Wiley and the anti-Semitic tweets that he's been posting here, then everywhere, which I read the other day and I was just like, this man needs serious help. He's just terrible. And they depicted Kano instead of Wiley, which just brings up so many issues, doesn't it? Like, why aren't you hiring black journalists to firstly cover these types of stories? Because it just shows how white the office is and how they think they get black culture, but they really don't. And the process, it comes down to the process of why are the journalists not seeing the photos before they go out 
depressed. Why are they not seeing them? That process is just really stupid because this journalist, I can't remember his name now, Owen something, he has been dragged into this whether he wanted to or not by proxy. He wrote that article and so people are going to assume that he chose that photograph even though The Guardian have said that he wasn't involved in this, uh, the photo depiction. But perhaps think about changing that Guardian because it goes back to our original point in that there is not enough training around subconscious bias and anti-racism in how you choose your photos. So that really needs addressing. Um, so that was just like, what the hell? And then secondly, something that completely caught me off guard was just scrolling through, I watched a video on BBC News, on the BBC News, where the white journalist said the n-word so she very much implied this and it was talking about hate crime towards black people and she very much implied this leading up to that word but she went and said it anyway so please go and complain to the bbc because they need to log and respond to every single complaint and the more people that talk about it the more that the bbc are going to do something about it it's just highlighted to me just how white our media is and we just don't stand a chance in terms of any marginalised communities when it comes to fair representation. And the fact that the journalist and the editor and everyone else in between assumed it was fine to say that word because it was in context to them talking about hate crime. What the actual hell? So, yeah, go and complain. I... Also had a break of social media for about a week, which I'm going to talk about today. The topic is going to be about social media, in fact. But firstly, we are going to do... How Asian are you? So thank you to Tiffany Lee, who submitted these questions. I thought they were really funny and they're based more so around our parents. So she was saying, actually, my mum is a huge fan of rice. She adds rice to everything. This is on our Facebook group. So if you're not part of the Facebook group and you want to join, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash but where are you from podcast. I think I will leave it in the show notes. so You can definitely click on the right link. So question number one must always take off shoes when entering the house yes of course but sometimes i do go back into the house with my shoes on and sometimes go up the stairs with my shoes on when i i just need to grab something have i said this one already i feel like i've got i'm getting deja vu here so i get one point number two parents and relatives have a dozen sound effects most popular one being a yeah and a yo <laughs> that's so funny the way it's spelled a-i-y-a-o hey yo yeah yeah definitely i mean what is my mum's now my mum's is <laughs> that's hers so yeah one point number three knowing that the highest form of your mum judging you is with a side eye and tusk and or tut oh yeah every single day every single day i get this and my mum is largely a very positive person but she she still does do that a lot Question number four. Parents being the most awkward with compliments and hugs. Oh my god, yeah. My I've talked about this before, but my mum is actually pretty good with her compliments and praise. But my dad was not, and he was terrible at any form of affection, saying I love you, um just us complimenting him, him complimenting us. Uh, even if we got good grades, he'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Like, he was very, like, he just wouldn't say it. But we knew that he loved us deep down and he was proud of us deep down. Question number... So do I get a point for that? Yes, I do. Question number five. Parents trying to set you up with another Asian person. I actually wrote this myself. Yes, has anyone had that before? Because I certainly have. And it's always another, like, Chinese or East Asian person. It's never someone of a different race. And actually, my my mum didn't set me up, but she worked with my second ex-boyfriend who was Chinese and we ended up dating. And so she inadvertently did in a way, but not in a formalised way. I kind of took my own initiative with that, really, and slid into his DMs. <laughs> That's actually quite a funny story. I didn't do that. This was basically during the time when I, I didn't have an iPhone then, but my cousin did. And I remember going, oh my God, let me show you his Facebook. And so I logged into my Facebook page on my cousin's phone so I could show him. And then my cousin, it, this was when like, do you know when you used to call it Facebook rape, which is a horrible term, but when we used to call it fraping. So my cousin fraped me thinking that he was writing on my own wall saying something about how I had terrible diarrhea and it came out of me like a rocket but instead of writing it on my own wall he wrote it on that guy's wall he wrote it on that Asian guy's wall and so actually it gave me the perfect excuse to message him and be like I'm so sorry my cousin tried to freight me and he instead wrote it on your wall lol don't know how it's because we were stalking you and I'm a weirdo <laughs> oh god oh, how many points did I get there one two three four five points out of five how many did you get so I went off Instagram for a few days and by that basically I deleted it from my phone and the longest I've ever done was actually a month last year from August to the end of September and I just went completely cold turkey. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, kept LinkedIn for work reasons even though I don't really use it that much now so I could delete it even now and it got me thinking about the role social media plays in my life and how I'm so conflicted with its purpose. Do I like social media? Do I not? Do I need to make up my mind whether I do? And I mean, it would be pretty hard for me to do my day job without Instagram as a platform and YouTube as a platform. But I'm going to think about the personal aspects of social media and the role it plays in my life. We're focusing on Instagram because I feel like that's where I think about my mental health and associate my mental health the most when it comes to when I need a break from social media. So during my time off it, I have had a few experiences which has kind of resurfaced some repressed feelings of shame and anxiety and it got me thinking about the role that social media played whilst I was in an abusive relationship because I would do things like post up photos when we had you know really good days but the following day or even the following hour there might be an argument over something so small and then that photo almost became redundant in a sense because it just didn't match the reality of what was going on. I remember one time I got shouted at for eating a slice of his pizza by accident. And then when I called him out on it, because I was scared because he raised his voice and yelled at me, he tried to turn the situation around and use the excuse that he had unresolved trauma with a relative of his who passed away. And that's the reason why he shouted at me for eating his pizza, which makes no sense. But that was one of the times when like, I would just post like something really happy that happened that day. I remember that day we were celebrating or meant to be celebrating because we finally had a sofa delivered to our house that we were living in and 
that argument happened subsequently that night, but it led into a big, massive thing where I ended up leaving because he insulted my mum, he was crying and just being really, really abusive in lots of different ways, all because he was trying to absolve the fact that he shouted at me when it was completely unjust and I felt scared. So when I would look at my Instagram feed, I really held on to those photos because really I wanted those moments to be true. I wanted those good times to be captured because I don't know, but it was, it was damaging because it enabled me to live through a lie online. I wasn't portraying to the world the, the full depiction of the, the truth and the full truth is that it was a tumultuous relationship, to, to say the least. It was very emotional and on the odd occasion physically abusive rather than just emotionally abusive. And with that stemmed a lot of feelings in me that were largely very unfamiliar for most of my life. So being insanely jealous, uh, not being able to trust people, particularly women, second guessing absolutely everything and all of this was a result of being gaslighted by this person and lied to by this person. It was funny because I remember Instagram used to have this part of the app where you can see what pictures people you followed had liked and I used to try and obsessively look at what photos he had liked and usually if it was a picture of a girl it led me to then question him and this all stemmed from basically when he was still basically speaking to a girl who was in love with him and she declared it on social media for me to find out and it turns out he met up with her secretly and then she posted a picture that he took of her and then put some kind of like lovey-dovey caption about being in love and I saw it and I was like, what does this mean? And it sounds crazy but looking back it was that really awful and just deep mistrust with this person that made me exert this kind of behaviour of just obsessively scrolling and being like, has he liked any photos of women and what does this mean? Even though some of them might be completely innocent and some of them weren't, I, I will never truly know because this person lied to me so much anyway. And after that relationship, I made the decision that unless I'm in a solid and truly happy and healthy relationship that doesn't seem to be depicting anything other than how I really truly feel, so secure, happy, safe and all those things that you just need in a relationship, then I think I'll be fine posting my other half, but I don't think I'll be so quick to do that in the future if I ever get a boyfriend. And when I look back now, I just wasted so much time on someone who I'm just so indifferent about. Pouring through Instagram, being paranoid, checking every comment, every like. Thinking about that, it must have been so exhausting because I remember feeling glued to my phone for this sole purpose and that is tiring, no one wants that. If you ever feel like you're in that situation, that isn't healthy. It wasn't healthy what I was going through and what I was doing and using social media to do that. And what's great now actually is that I went when I was writing up kind of this podcast and what I'll be talking about, I went and stalked his Instagram and I hadn't done that in months and months and months and I felt so indifferent and that was just the best feeling of like, I don't care about you anymore. I don't even think about you. It doesn't hurt me to see your posts when it used to. It used to really hurt me. And now I'm just like, thank God I am out of that relationship. So aside from all that kind of stuff, I try to not think too much about considering what to post. But what I've realised is what we put out there 
matters. And sometimes I do find it difficult to strike a balance between not sharing too much because really, who cares about our own social feeds more than ourselves? Like, have you ever done that thing where you just go and you're grinning, you're like, I wonder how people perceive my profile? And then, you know, no one else probably critiques your profile as much as you do. Also, feeling like if I don't post enough stuff, then I'm forgotten about, which is just silly. Or just sharing way too much about my personal life. But I do that probably enough on the podcast anyway than on social media. I had a conversation with my friend recently who was saying that the reason why she doesn't post that much is because she's so paralysed with what to post that she just doesn't bother at all. Like, she she got married last year. My best friend Soph, hi Soph. And she didn't post, like, any, any wedding photos, even though they were absolutely gorgeous, because she just didn't know what to say and when to post, what photos to post, so she just didn't bother in the slightest. Whereas I probably have the other issue where I'm like, oh, what can I post now? What can I post today? And it's quite unusual for me not to post probably weekly. So I'd probably post at least weekly. But I guess it's my choice, isn't it? Each to their own. And I don't judge anyone for not posting. And equally, I don't judge anyone for posting too much. But I know that certainly my role on social media has changed, especially within the past few months. And my other best friend, Fran, she said to me that whilst what I'm talking about on social media is really great, she misses seeing the funny Viv, which is quite hilarious because it's almost like (laughs) Viv the Div died and therefore I'm not funny anymore. And it made me realise that what you put out there really does matter. So from me being Viv the Div and being silly and and living up to the idea of me just being this silly person who never takes herself seriously, to someone who is doing activism, it's just made me so grateful to have this platform to spread a message about worthy causes because what I was putting out there beforehand didn't really matter so much. You know, it was very centred around me and my life, which is largely what a lot of us do on social media. But in terms of feeling like... I'm making some kind of change and some kind of difference. That's my purpose now on social media. And I've really found that recently. And I really want to continue portraying myself in that way because it does matter how you put yourself out there. It's not silly to consider how you put yourself online because even if you think about it from a job perspective, your prospective employer will go on your social feeds and check you out. They will look at your LinkedIn, they will look at your Instagram sometimes, Facebook, and they will see how you put yourself out there. But from a personal brand perspective, we all brand ourselves in a certain way. You know, people might subliminally skip through your stories, but at the end of the day, they take in what you're projecting out there. And what we've learned from this Guardian debacle is that words and images matter. It's very silly to be on a platform yet sneer at those who make a living out of it or who choose to post a lot and it's also easier to be quiet than it is to have a voice and say something so I do think that it matters what we say essentially and if we don't then that's fine but don't judge people for putting themselves out there basically what I'm saying is don't judge me please because I've been using social media a lot recently 
So I've basically set up this page called coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash it's Viviel, where if you want to support the podcast and you want to support me for the price of your usual coffee, then if you want to, and if you feel able to, then please go to that link and buy me a coffee and that'll be great. And I can carry on motivating myself to create content for you guys because it does take a lot of time, but it's so worth it. And if you want to, and if you feel able to, I would appreciate that so much. And hopefully we can actually meet up for a coffee in real life. I just wanted to read out a few names and say thank you to Amy, Mindy, somebody who is anonymous, and I know that's my twin sister, Jima, uh, Lily Wong, Kai, great friend, Angela, Natalie Chung for donating to my coffee page and buying me a coffee. I much appreciate it. So thank you to you all. One really good thing that I've noticed as well is just finding your community of those who just understand you. Um, You might not be able to find these people organically through close proximities, but like I've said before, Instagram recently has been such an incredible platform to find my community through you guys speaking to the listeners. It's just incredible because I've made genuine friends, even though we've never met but I feel like we are friends because we have some kind of understanding with each other. Um, And from the petition, I found a community of women that I can genuinely chat with about all the hard topics that I found difficult to voice even with very close friends. So that's one good thing about social media. Going back to a negative about social media is I think it can definitely bring out insecurities and I felt a few different emotions and I think it's important to normalise addressing these types of feelings that are usually ignored or not talked about, especially in Asian or even just British culture actually, you know, we just don't tend to talk about feelings in both cultures. And firstly is that it's normal to feel jealous. Jealousy is a completely normal human emotion and I have definitely found myself envious when I've seen other people's posts like wondering why my life isn't at that stage yet and usually it's like relationship focused like why is everyone getting engaged all of a sudden but then I know that I'm guilty of this too I talk about all the great stuff happening with work or progression with the petition or the podcast or whatever it might be I talk about this kind of stuff too and that's fine because we want to be able to talk about good things that are happening in our lives it should be celebrated there's nothing wrong with that at all you're not being unhumble what's the word you're not being unhumble you're not being you're not fuck's sake you are not being braggy by talking about your successes we need to build ourselves up especially women who don't do a good job of doing that anyway we have to talk about our successes we have to back ourselves But it's also normal to feel jealous when you see other posts. And I think that's completely fine to feel that way. And then don't even get me started on body image because it's funny, I follow or I had to unfollow. And this is going to sound really, really shallow, but I had to unfollow particularly a lot of Asian influencers because on the one hand, I wanted to look like these girls. I wanted to be as skinny as them. I wanted to have clear skin. I wanted to have their fashion sense and their coolness. But on the other hand, I found myself feeling really crap when I looked down at my my little pot belly, uh, stared at my like acne scarred skin and realised that I wouldn't really ever look like anyone other than myself slash my twin sister kind of. 
And so I've started unfollowing and or muting anyone who makes me feel this way. So it has to be on a very conscious level. You have to really consider how does this page unknowingly, because they're not doing it on purpose, make me feel? And it's also quite interesting to think about that you might even be that person to someone else. You might be the person that people look at and they think, why is my life not quite there yet? As opposed to them. But then one thing that I would say to you is that having worked with influencers who post really, really kind of aspirational lives, they all still have their own problems. They have their own shit going on. You best believe it when I say that when they post a photo of them looking happy, that day might have been the worst day of their lives because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. So again, it just goes back to also never just believing everything that you see on social media. And my friend Anna Sacconi, who is very influential on social media, she's been doing it for over 10 years. She's brilliant. She talks so openly about the fact that her life is not perfect. And we've been there because I've worked with her for two years. I saw the times when their lives were just, they were going through so much, going through so much, and yet still having to put out content every single day. She talks about this really openly and she even says, like, don't believe what you see, even our own content, because it's never quite the full depiction of the truth. And I really applaud her for saying that because she could so easily just decide to talk about all the good things that are happening in their lives because she, she also acknowledges that they have a very privileged life, but it just doesn't mean that you don't have issues just because you've got a good life or what is perceived to be a good life. It's also really interesting as well and something that I've been really trying to think about is how we thrive off the validation of likes. Sometimes I wonder like what does it mean and why do we hold so much social currency in likes? It's almost like it's this person's very easy way of saying that they agree with you. It's their way of saying what you've posted I relate to and when there is the absence of this, say you post a photo and it it bombs in comparison to your other photos, The disparity of the lack of likes implies almost this isn't worthy of a like, I don't agree with what you're saying. And what I think it personally is, is that whatever you're posting out there, I don't know, obviously if you posted something terrible, then fair enough. But I have assumed that people want to see you do well, okay? We all want to see people do well. We don't want to see people being in harm or being sad or unhappy. We don't want to see that because we are hopefully all decent human beings, but people want to see you do well, but just not better than them. And I'm guilty of this too. And it's a very uncomfortable truth. I certainly don't want to see people brag all the time about how many successes or perceived successes someone else has, because it then goes back to that whole, oh, well, this is making me feel crap because I'm not quite there yet. And then we have to think about why we aren't there yet. And then you just feel crap. And then that cycle perpetuates. So I don't even know what the answer is, because it's not like I'm a bloody life coach or psychologist. This is just from my own personal insight into working on social media and just from my own trends in terms of when I posted about certain things sometimes they do really well sometimes they don't I'm like hmm what's the difference here why has this post not done as well when I've been talking about something so happy and so personal to me and it's so easy to get caught up on the numbers when it shouldn't matter but it it does matter because I have thought a few times why hasn't this particular person liked my post what does it mean you know when you notice like oh 
a close friend of mine hasn't liked this, what does it actually mean? But it's not silly to think this because it, it does hold weight. A like does hold weight, it's very easy to do. And so the absence of that is felt. So whether we like it or not, it is still important to think about that from time to time and also just take a step back and realise that we shouldn't be placing the value on this so much, but also acknowledging that we shouldn't feel silly for questioning that at the same time, if that makes any sense at all. One thing that I have really, really loved about social media though is, and I'm going to end this on a good note, is just the incredible learning resources that I've got from particularly Instagram and also Twitter, I usually save posts that I can refer back to later when discussing like topics of racism, sexism, because there is so much out there in terms of really nicely designed social posts that are really shareable. And I think that is when the power of social media comes into play and things can be shared so easily and they can go viral very, very quickly. So Amy Fung, who created... She's at a little bit sketchy without the E in the username. The social post about how about how depicting East and Southeast Asian people in coronavirus-related media is harmful. She created it. And if I looked at my Instagram insights, it was shared like over 300 times last time I checked. And that's just from my page, but it was shared multiple times from different accounts. So it's probably in like the 500s figures at least, at least, which is amazing. So... It's such a great resource for that and that's something that I really, really enjoy. And I've been following more accounts that just reflect who I am as a person. So I try to follow accounts that don't trigger me in any way. Keep my newsfeed really positive, happy and realistic. So I don't follow anyone who I feel like is unobtainable. I love following body positivity accounts, feminist accounts, uh, topics of racism, intersectionality. I love following a range of those types of pages because I feel like they enrich my life and it makes for a better experience on social media because of it. And it's also been really crucial, obviously, in movements like Black Lives Matter, as well as our own petitioning. Like, without using Instagram, we don't have a platform. There might be something else to replace that, but we wouldn't have this platform for the petition and our voice to be heard and to be shared. And that's extremely powerful and we can't deny that too. I'm so conflicted in how I feel about it because it changes pretty much on a day-to-day basis. You know, sometimes I can spend hours on social media, particularly TikTok at the moment, but sometimes I feel like it's such such a waste of time and I don't get anything back from it and I feel burnout from being on it so much. And I think it will continue to be that way depending on just how I feel and my own mental psyche. So I'm interested to hear, what are your thoughts on social media? Have you ever gone on a social media detox? How did you feel? Did you miss it? What platforms do you use the most? Please feel free to join the Facebook group and continue this discussion because I really want to hear... Oh, fuck. My pop thing just dropped off. Because I really want to hear just how it's affecting other people and whether you can relate to what I'm saying in some way. So that's it for today's episode. I feel like it's been a really short one, but nice little snippet for you. And I hope you guys are all good. If you want to donate to my coffee link, please feel free. If you donate from now, I will do a shout out on the next podcast episode. 
So I've decided to take requests. So if you want to donate to my coffee page, I will read out your entire message and I will say the whole message on the podcast in the next episode. So I don't know how much of an incentive that is for anyone, but there we go. See ya!